0: Great again. From Studio A in Greenwich, Connecticut,
1: Carl Higby. Hey, welcome back, folks. Thanks for joining me again. Um wow. Uh last night was something, I'll admit, I pegged it wrong. I had said we would keep the house and lose only six seats and pick up three in the Senate. So I'm on in the Senate, but I am I was way off. On the house and apologize to you guys. Those are just my opinions based on what I felt that was the case. Um, I live in Connecticut. Republicans took a shellacking in Connecticut, and, and <clears throat> you know, in a minute, I'm going to have um, Matt Corey on who ran for U.S. Senate against Chris Murphy and, and lost last night, and uh, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that. But this is, uh, you know, I, I, I want to look at this objectively, folks. I want to look at this from the point of view as like, what could I and I is in the Formal format of Republicans. What could Republicans have done differently and One of the things in is we suck at communications. We really do. I mean we are bad at communicating our message We're bad at bringing our point of view and our great philosophy to the forefront second I think that there were a lot of communities out there that this was a referendum against Trump, especially here in Connecticut. I mean, we had my state senator, Scott France, who I had said in the past, Jesus could not walk across Long Island Sound on top of the water and unseat him. I had said that in the past. And so did everybody else. He has run against people who typically he wins 90 percent. And that I mean, that is what this this election was about in certain states. Certain states Overwhelming victories to Republicans because of the Trump factor, but not in Connecticut. In Connecticut, we took a shellacking. Um, We lost the governorship, which Dan Malloy had 20% approval rating. There's no reason why Republicans should. And this was because we did not effectively communicate our message. It's also because we don't believe our own message. Folks, I've talked to you about this before. We don't believe our own message. But let's go, you know, we're going to cover all that with Matt Corey in a little while. But um, this is not the blue wave that democrats thought sure they have the house but keep in mind clinton lost 52 seats obama lost 63 seats okay trump loses 30 over the past 21 midterm elections the president ha- party has lost an average of 30 seats in the house okay keep in mind there have only been five times in the last 105 years that the president has won seats in the Senate on their first midterm, Trump won four or three. Okay. The Trump bump is real, but not everywhere. It is very real to the suburban or or very rural areas. It is very real, basically outside the cities. And we're going to talk about some of the stuff that I really believe Attributed to this and the demographics and where Republicans, I'm not going to speculate on Democrats because honestly, I I don't care how they run their campaigns. I think that they run on far left ideology and promising people free stuff with other people's money. But first, the Carl Higby show is brought to you by Great America PAC. They are the longest supporting super PAC of the president. They are still out there. They're still fighting. Support our president right now. Okay, and to get insider news you can go to greatamericaapp.com. It's the um, the premier MAGA community for the America First movement. When you want to gather and support of Trump and get all the Trump news, Trump exclusive stuff like that, it's all on greatamericaapp.com. That's www.greatamericaapp.com. Go there, you can be part of the MAGA community. But what I saw, you know like I said, we lost the house. Period. There's no excuses there's only reasons why. And I'm not going to say that we could have done it if or hindsight hindsight's always 2020. But what I will say is Republicans did some things wrong. And the way we communicated, the way we made these philosophies out um, to the average people was you know pretty pretty interesting and for me it was a little bit eye-opening. There was a little bit of upsetness, a little bit of anger. You know, I'm not rioting in the streets as part of the resistance. But, and I really think that there's about zero Republicans that'll go do that. So here's, let me break this down by age. And this is the Wall Street Journal did a great, great job on this. I don't give him a lot of credit for anything, but men, 51% of men voted Republican, 41% of women voted Democrat. Let's, now, now let's go into age. Okay, 18 to 24 year olds, 63% Democrat, 33% Republican, 25 to 29, 58% Democrat, 36% Republican. Okay, as people get older, it's a linear shift to the right, okay, because they have life experience and they realize that government cannot solve their problems. Okay, so we have... 25, sorry, 30 to 39, 56% Democrat, 39% Republican, 40 to 49, 50 Democrat, 46 Republican. And this is where we start to make up ground and even things out. 50 to 64, 48 and 48% even, split. 65 and older, 46% Republican, 51% Republican. Sorry, 46% Democrat, 51% uh, Republican. As people get older and they learn there's wisdom in age, They tend to go Republican because they're learning. But look at race. White, 42% Democrat, 54% Republican. Black, 88% Democrat, 8% Republican. This is not where Trump polled on the ballot. So this is the one place that I say Trump was not on the ballot. Hispanic, 62% Democrat, 33% Republican. Asian, 68% Democrat, 28% Republican. Okay, let's look at locale though. And I talk, folks, I've talked to you about this exclusively in locale and how the cities do not represent rural areas. And that is why we have the Electoral College. This is, this statistic right here is the fundamental reason we have the Electoral College in America. Urban voters, cities, 66% Democrat, 30% Republican. Suburban, 51% Democrat, 45% Republican. Small town, 44% Democrat, 52% Republican. Rural, 36% Democrat, 60% Republican. Folks, the more detached you become from a city, the more self-sustaining you are. And the Democratic Party runs a message on bringing everybody and doing everything for everyone and having big government take care of you. And rural people, those are not the values of rural people because they're because of the ruralness or rurality uh, is that a word i don't even know is that a word producer no okay um it is it's interesting because you're you have to be more self-sustaining if you ever look and this is an extreme example but you look at the people in alaska they're completely self-sustaining on everything because they have to be in the cities it, it, it's almost like people in the city... I, I've literally heard people in cities... Why don't you... Why do you hunt? Why don't you get your food at the store where everyone else does? Well, where do you think that food comes from? What's made for the store? That's what these people believe that. It's not a reality. They're packed in so tight. And people are not meant to live in this. And John Adams said that the cities would be the downfall of America. And I think it is. I think it really is. So judging by these numbers... Judging by these numbers... Where can Republicans improve? Okay. And we're going to talk to my next guest, Matt Corey. I'm going to bring him in a sec. But folks, we as Republicans have a lot to do about this. We have a lot to do. And if we don't start opening our eyes and understand that the paradigm has shifted, as much as we don't want to admit it, the paradigm shift has happened. So without further ado, I want to bring in my guest. So Matt, fresh off the uh, Senate campaign, how uh, how are you feeling? Obviously it was a, it was a tough loss. You ran a great campaign with uh, limited people donating to your your uh, your endeavor. So uh, how how are you feeling? Well,
0: I, I think we put everything out there on the table, Carl. We you know we ran with a little bit of means we had, we traveled traveled the state, zigzagged the state and we got a blue-collar message out there and I thought it resonated with a lot of people, just not enough.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I saw about you and your campaign is you know, and I'm not just saying this because I've known you for some time and you're a fellow veteran, but that you are actually one of the most genuine, hardworking, honest people I have ever seen in politics. And you didn't win. We tell it
0: how it is, Carl, you know, we, we get our message out there. I talked about the, uh, the need for jobs. You know, I talked about jobs, taxes, the economy, you know, how the Trump tax cuts, president Trump's tax cuts and jobs act as, as, uh, It's helped the state of Connecticut. It's helped my small business. It's helped hire hire workers. I work in every city in the state of Connecticut. I have a high-rise window cleaning company. I work on construction sites. So even the city or town that I haven't traveled through and worked in in the last 28 years, hire young kids in the inner city. I give second chances. Now, those are the people we're trying to uh, represent. Our message just couldn't get out there because we didn't have the money. And it couldn't force him to debate, other than a one-time debate, which really doesn't expose and it's disingenuous to the constituents of the state of the Connecticut, But I guess you call the shots when you're sitting on 14.5 million.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing is you you, you lost to Chris Murphy, an well entrenched Democrat. Who honestly, the guy is a real turd. I mean, he's a piece of work. And the fact that you, what was the final breakdown? It was like 39 to what?
0: Well, we got over 40. Oh, you got it over 40. Which wasn't bad. Yeah. I mean, look, we got over seven. He uh, said it was. Uh, it was actually pretty good in a midterm election, we drew a little over 40%. So it wasn't that bad. But if you look at the breakdowns and the numbers, you'll see a region where we won. We won quite a few towns. There was, a lot of it was up and through the Naugatuck Valley area, uh, up in the northeast region. A lot of the blue-collar, working-class towns reson- we resonated with because we traveled quite a few through there. But we won Shelton outright. Uh, some of the affluent towns, we won New Canaan. Uh, I believe a few of the towns in that area. So we had a message out, just not enough. That we just couldn't reach the inner city. But I believe if, if 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 the people had seen both of us up on stage and who resonates more with the working class people, I believe that yeah. the outcome would have been a little bit different.
1: Well, that's the thing is, in, uh, and I uh, earlier on the show before you came on, I was hitting Republicans hard. That we suck as communicators. I mean, we are just bad communicators of our message. We either don't get it far enough or we, we we don't deliver the the impactful emotional side that you see Republicans or sorry, Democrats, they come at people with the most ridiculous but emotional issues. Stuff that shouldn't matter, but it pulls on your heartstrings and they they drive it home and republicans talk about facts jobs economics you know stability and things like that and it just doesn't resonate i mean how much how much time did you spend on college campuses
0: uh we went through a few of them but we just just couldn't reach out to them i mean a lot, you know we talked about some of the other things other than a four year degree we talked about the alternative to college like the vocational trades manufacturing trades uh, you know and the construction jobs it resonated with a lot of a lot of workers a college kids it's just really tough to reach because you know you have these professors in there and it just you know it's, it's just it's hard breaking down i spoke at uh, one of the high schools in glastonbury it was a wonderful experience you know it gives the kids an open mind an opportunity a different voice in there uh, you know from the other side of the aisle a republican view uh, and it resonates a lot but you just have to get in here and talk to them and, It's not easy. It's it's not
1: easy in a blue state to do that quote. Oh, 100%. Well, you know, I was talking about the the stats earlier and that um, it was 18 to 24-year-olds voted 63% to 33%. 63% Well, this is – I've never,
0: ever uh, followed a campaign so tightly than Senator Murphy's. And not only that – the Democratic party because I was at a lot of these inner city events that Republicans don't usually go to. Right. But what I what I have found out is just it's complete identity politics and it's just a shame because it's just pitting people against each other, you know. You shouldn't be looking at people's race and color and saying, "Hey, this is going to be the first one to run for this office or right. hey, the bean pile this is, I'm the yeah, it's just you know there was, and it, it, President Trump was on that whole agenda there and is saying, you know, yeah, I'm the type of person that president Trump is not letting into our country. And it's just, you know, it's hard to get past that. And, you know, you talk about playing on people's emotions, but I mean, they go to the lowest forms of doing that, and, you know, I talk about issues and I talk about putting people back to work and, you know, you're not a victim because somebody else is successful. You're a victim because, you know, you don't have those resources or opportunities to uplift yourself. And, right. But, you know, it's unfortunate that our, our three major cities here in Connecticut control the whole uh, the whole state. And, uh, those are the poorest cities, and it's just, that's
1: that's boring. They really are. I mean, and I don't know how much did you spend a lot of time uh, nationally looking at some of the other races and how people were doing it over there and, and stuff like that.
0: I was focused on Connecticut. So yeah. Like I said, I, I just you know if you don't have if you have a great message that's wonderful, but if you don't have the resources to get that message out. It's that's the difficult thing, and we ran one ad, and it yeah. was crazy. I mean, I was watching TV. I think he up probably a million and a half in the last week. Yeah, uh, it was like twenty-five to one on television, you know. But our message resonated well with people, and uh, people people figured it out. They said, "Look, well." Well, Senator Murphy's walking across the state. Matthew Porey is walking across the state. You know, and people didn't realize that he moved his entire family to Washington D.C., <laughs>
1: including his wife that's and children. Crazy, he's totally
0: disconnected with Connecticut.
1: I, you, you know, know I Chris he, Murphy's a real piece of he, work. He has
0: nothing vested in Connecticut other than your vote. That was basically my message, and people were like, "I can't believe that," and it was true.
1: Yeah, I mean, that—that that is the thing—is. Chris Murphy has never done anything for the state. Like, I, I can't name one thing, one legislative accomplishment he's done in favor of Connecticut. I can't name one thing, that he, one initiative he's led that's been good for Connecticut. I mean, he would call, you know, gun control good for Connecticut, but it, it hasn't... It, it is so bad. I mean, but you look at the, the the factor across the nation, and I think Trump was on this ballot. I mean, without without being physically there, he was on the ballot, and I think there were a lot of specifically white suburban women in Connecticut that said, I don't like the way Trump says certain things, so I'm going to vote Democrat to send him a message. The problem with that is that you send a message. You're not sending a message to Trump. It doesn't hurt Trump. What it hurts, it hurts is the single mother living in Danbury, Connecticut, working two jobs to pay for her kids. And that woman now, because they, they, you know, they, she voted to decide that those suburban women who have the resources to leave if things get bad, will now... Uh, have to pay a toll on 95.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right, Carl. I just, I just left there. I was talking to a young lady. She has three kids. She's trying to pick up an extra job just to make ends meet. And that's exactly who they're punishing. And she's just so worried and scared now that look, she's an independent and says, my God, how much more taxes can I pay in the state of Connecticut? I mean, it's just, we don't need that obstructionism here in Connecticut. We needed somebody to work with this administration, whether you like the president or not. There's too much at stake here in the state of Connecticut. Now we have so many manufacturing jobs because of what the president did with the defense industry. Connecticut's heavily um, a manufacturing side. We have this infrastructure needs. We have along I-95 coming up. We have the two largest ports outside of New York City. These are jobs for for operation engineers, the right. teamsters, the you know the laborers, but you know those unions sold out Connecticut because they want tolls for work, but they didn't. Un- they didn't realize that they sold out the rest of the state just for that. And it's not. That's not how you go about doing it. I understand. I'm. I'm in the unions, Carl. I work with these men and women. You don't sell the entire state out for for a little bit of work. You gotta. You gotta invest in private sector. Uh, construction and not just
1: public sector right i mean look I, I'm, I'm in the business of, of industrial construction myself i get it it costs me to hire a worker a union worker just a day laborer through the union costs me about 750 dollars a day yes absolutely whereas i can go down to exit 9 on 95 and get somebody with a green card for a you know 200 bucks for the day yeah it's crazy. Like they want, yeah.
0: want people to have a living wage, but you know you can't sell the entire state down the river. I mean, companies are leaving. Yeah, and it's just, we haven't an opportunity to to make Connecticut business friendly. That's I don't know. And you know we're losing the younger generation. Like you said, you go to college campuses and. No, if we were in the business of exporting our talent, we'd be number one here in the state of Connecticut. I lost nieces and nephews right. because there's no opportunity here in Connecticut.
1: Hundred percent. I mean, there really isn't any any opportunity anymore. And the problem is, is I have, you know, I think that I, I believe it was the RGA ran a great commercial that says it was an older woman that said, "I'd love to move back to Connecticut to see my family more, but I can't because it's there's nothing to do," and she's a hundred percent right. And my hope is never that my state goes down in flames. My hope is that people, it it becomes apparent enough. I mean, there is zero reason to vote for a Democrat in the state of Connecticut after what Malloy did to the state. What, you know, Dick Blumenthal and Chris Murphy have done to the state is horrendous.
0: Yeah, I just, it's it's beyond comprehension, Carl. And I said in the campaign show, I said, look, if you want to make Senator Blumenthal a better senator, send a Republican Senator Matthew Corey down to Washington. Let's compete for the federal funds to bring back to Connecticut. And let's see who does a better job. That balance is what we need down in Washington for Connecticut right now. And it's a win-win for everyone. The economic impact of sending a Republican Senator down to Washington would have been phenomenal for Connecticut, but they just can't see past that divisive politics, the obstruction and their their hatred their pure hatred for this president and it's just i i I don't know what to say to it carl
1: yeah well you i mean you know what one thing was is what i what i was very pleased about is the three folks that voted no on kavanaugh lost their seats the democrats which were um you know that were in the battleground states mccaskill heitkamp and donnelly out gone done uh mansion kept his seat but he voted for kavanaugh at the last minute so i mean that is a huge, huge thing. And the, the bigger thing that I want to discuss is, I don't know how f- closely you followed Florida, but that is where most of the Connecticut jobs are flocking to because of lax tax policy and, and uh, friendly governance there. Ron DeSantis, a good friend of mine, w- took it by storm down there, and he, he booted out Gillum, which I think is fantastic. But Gillum ran on literally turning Florida into Connecticut, and it was rejected. How do we bring that mentality? How do we send that message to Connecticut people?
0: I don't know. You know, Carl, I I thought we hit rock bottom with one of the worst governors in the state of Connecticut. We ranked 47th or 48th in economic growth, slowest-growing state in New England. I said, my God, once again, we need somebody to work with this administration, bring those much-needed federal funds home. We need somebody that's going to straighten the state of Connecticut out instead the state doubled down not only did we lose the the senate we lost the state house we lost the governorship i mean we are just i, I don't know what's going to come towards us and i'm just interested in what some of these larger corporations are going to do you know cvs merged with edna and you know cvs said look we're gonna we'll, we'll maybe keep edna in harford for the next 10 years but that big word is maybe and if they can't get their fiscal house in order You know, you're taking 6,500 jobs, just one state over the West Warwick, Rhode Island. It's, it'll be be all, it'll be over, it'll be just about devastated.
1: What was the number one issue that people, people told you about? Like, hey, look, this is what I care about in Connecticut.
0: Jobs. It was absolute jobs, taxes, and the economy. And they saw what was happening around the country. And they said, why isn't Connecticut there? You know, I walk and like I said, I work in these cities and these young men and women who don't have that economic opportunity, they don't have the resources, like the vocational trades, the manufacturing trades, asking me, how come we don't have jobs in the, in the inner cities? You know, there's not a week that goes by, if, not a, what city I'm in, mean, Carl, that a young man or a woman comes up to me and asks me if I'm hiring. And you see that every single day and it's unfortunate. And, uh, you know, I I had to give a shout out to the community leader in East Bridgeport. He says, you know, these Democrats, you politicians, you come down here every two years and you ask us for our vote, but nothing changes. They said that I'm familiar with the Hartford. I said the north end of Hartford. It's as poor as it is today, as it was 30 years ago, and nothing changes. You know, they got like a $2 million grant for the north end of Hartford. Most of that federal funds went into police surveillance. It didn't go into small business opportunities. It didn't go to vocational trades. It didn't go to the manufacturing trades. It went to policing, and it's, that's, what, that's what's happening.
1: That's I mean, it's crazy it, it, to me. And this comes to back down to my, my original point, which is Republicans are bad communicators. The Democrats do a great job at mobilizing and emo- tugging on the emotional heartstrings. I think next cycle, I mean, do you, do you have it in your plans to ever run again or do you have you had
0: it? Look, I'm going to help. I'm going to help anybody I can I'll call. You know, I, 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 I took it to the streets as hard as I could, but you can only reach so many people that way we had that financial well, you, backing you were also you worked full-time for, didn't you i was a perfect candidate for connecticut
1: yeah no i i look dude I, I i thought i thought you would have been fantastic and um i mean like you were working full-time while doing this right
0: well yeah i mean i gave up i mean i gave up my business for about a month i have a great crew thank god they took care of it you know
1: yeah so, what's your business
0: I have a high-rise window cleaning company, which is pretty dangerous, but I have a great <laughs> professional crew, and uh, they were able to maintain it. So they're happy to see me back.
1: Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it is, it is insane to me that um, you have somebody who works an actual job, who actually employs people, who actually cares, who is a genuine military veteran, cannot unseat someone like Chris Murphy. It's, just, it's shocking to me.
0: There's somebody who never gave back to the country, who's always taken from the country, Colonel, you know. And I don't begrudge anybody for going into public service at the age of 25. But I said in the campaign show, you need real-life experiences to either legislate people or govern people. And I got my uh, leadership skills, as you did, through the United States Navy. No matter what rank you are, you're responsible for your team or you're responsible for your crew on your ship. I'm also, as a small business owner, i responsible for people's safety. I'm responsible for their livelihoods. That's where I get my leadership skills from. Uh, you need that. And uh, when you have a 25-year-old kid that's never done anything out of public service, you can't find that in him. In him. It's about yeah. one-upping each other down in Washington. It's about an elitist playground down there. It's not about getting good policy passed. It's about, hey, I'm going to one-up on you, and I'm going to hopefully you know, take this country down if I have to just for political power.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Matt, I, I it, it hurts my soul that you didn't win that seat. It really does.
0: No, hey, look, we got our message out there, and we just, you know, let's hold people accountable down in Washington.
1: Crow. Let's do it, man. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. So, folks, there you have it. Uh, Matt Corey, he ran against Chris Murphy for U.S. Senate here in Connecticut, and it is, it is a shocking, shocking thing that he lost. I mean, this is, like I said, great guy. I've known him for a while now, fellow Navy veteran. But it, it, that that is epidemic. I mean, you it doesn't matter if you're the best guy with the best policies. It matters if you have the money. Can you get the people out to the polls? And sometimes that involves. And we I, look, I, I I I've seen this where Democratic campaigns have so much money. I mean, look, Democrats outraised us on the ground two to one many times, as much as like in in Matt's case, twenty to one. Okay. So, the fact that we come that close it's it it's shocking, but it it shouldn't be It should be a a very very simple equation. Republicans want limited government Democrats want more government it's it's that simple and when has ever government ever come in anywhere and done good thing like when has it made the situation better that's what i that's what that question I pose to the the American people tonight and, and, and what we need to do better as Republicans is, you know, it, we're not selling crappy policies. Our policies made America great. Our policies of limited government. I mean, the, the principles of the Republican Party now, the Democratic Party wants socialism. That's what they want. They want huge government and they want socialistic tendencies. And that is not what we need. So when, when Republicans go out there and sell their message, either they don't believe in it or they, they don't understand it themselves. And I got to say out there, too, folks, where Republicans have failed, aside from communicating, is social issues. Look, abortion is here to stay. I hate to say it. I am personally, like, I would never, I can't imagine aborting a child. I have two children. I can't imagine aborting a child. But you know what? I have come to the grips with the fact that it is not my choice. I'm not going to legislate on it. I'm not going to waste any time on it. I think there is, it is, a, it is a dead issue. It is here to stay. Roe v. Wade is not getting overturned. Um, <clears throat> I think also, look, there's a lot of things. I, I have my personal reserves against gay marriage, but you know what? It's here to stay. It is what it is. So, therefore, you don't have to love it. And you know what? The people who are for it, don't throw it in our faces. Especially you, you throw it in my face, it makes me push back. If you say, okay, I respect the fact that you don't personally like it, we'd be a lot better off. But you can't do that nowadays. You can't respectfully disagree with anybody. You know, you, you, you look at what happened, and I was talking about the DeSantis versus, um, and Rick Scott, too, in Florida. I mean, they, they rejected the Democratic ticket in Florida. Thank God. But Florida is where it is. And this is the other thing, too. Florida is absorbing people from all over, the all these blue states that people are leaving. And then what happens is in these blue states, blue people do move out, too, because they're like, wow, the, you know, they vote consistently for Democrats, and then Democrats raise the taxes and destroy the state, and then they move out, and then they move to friendly states like Texas or or Florida or things like that. And then you have a changed electorate based on that, and then they vote the same idiots in that they just let, that they had voted in that made them leave the state that they were originally in. So Florida held strong, thank God. Marsha Blackburn, huge win, love her. You know, this is. There were some states that just could not carry the message, though, like Connecticut. And then there were some states like Texas. Beto O'Rourke spent more money on any Senate campaign than than ever, ever. He had all the celebrities. He had all the money. He had everything in his favor. And Ted Cruz still beat him because of message. But you come to Connecticut and you run a good person like Matt Corey and he gets trounced by a party insider. I mean, that shows... What it what it is in in here, and that's why people. That's why we're fifty out of fifty. We have all five congressmen, both senators, governor, state senate, state house, all left. And Connecticut's fifty out of fifty. They, they, I would hope that Ned Lamont would look deeply inside and say, "Hmm, the policies we've been doing haven't been worked. Haven't been working." So let's try something new. And look, Ned's a businessman. I've known him my whole life. Family friend. Disagree with his policies. But he didn't always have those policies. So I'm hoping there's some resemblance of capitalism back from the time he was a businessman that he can take to Connecticut. Folks, this show is brought to you by U.S. Wellness Meats. I'm a fitness guy. I eat, try to eat the best stuff because I get up and go to the gym at 4.30 in the morning. So I understand the importance of nutrition. From their food, from their farms to your table, U.S. Wellness Meats, they'll ship your food for free anywhere. All 50 states, Canada, and Puerto Rico. All naturally sustainably raised food from small business, family farms, and it's 100% grass-fed or grass-finished beef, lamb, bison, dairy, wild-caught seafood, pasture-raised pork, poultry, etc. They're great for special diets, sugar-free, gluten-free, keto, paleo. Folks, these are the real deal. They're serving professional teams. They serve the SEAL teams, world-class athletes, but their biggest customers are families just like yours. Look, in this day and age, you never know what's going into your food. You don't know what's being fed to your cows. So give your kids the best food you possibly can. You want the most nutritious food on the planet? I'm telling you, you should eat meat. Okay, there's nothing wrong with meat. If anybody tells you that, they're wrong. Order online, uswellnessmeats.com. That's uswellnessmeats.com. Limited time only. Promo code FREEDOM saves a 15%. They'll ship it to you for free. USwellnessmeets.com. Promo code FREEDOM saves you 15%. So, folks, you know, Pelosi, actually, I I listened begrudgingly to her speech last night, and I was was shocked. I was actually pleasantly shocked where she gave a pretty good speech about unity and, you know, coming back together and things like that. And, look, it could be all BS. It could be. But if she actually, let's just, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt because I hope I genuinely hope that they're willing to come together and work with the president on this one. Um, she said she will run Congress with transparency. And look, you know, like, where have we heard this before? Yeah, from the, we have to pass the bill to see what's in it. That's, remember, we heard that one. So I'm not entirely, I'm not very optimistic about it, but I think this is something that if it works, If she's held to it, now keep in mind, there's nobody running against her right now, but I'm curious to see if anybody does because they're going to tear themselves apart trying to do this. And Nancy Pelosi is a powerhouse in the Democratic Party. Don't don't be fooled by this. Folks, she has that entire party whipped, okay? But keep in mind, she needs 218 votes, and the Democrats hold, you know, 200 and what is it, 220-something seats right now, 230 seats. So keep in mind, there was a bunch of people that said outright that they would vote against her for uh um, speaker. So and that's Connor Lamb, Jason Crow, Abigail Stanberg. Okay. Span Berker. Okay. Um, there's another bunch of people who, who hinted at the fact that they would not vote for her. And uh, Rashid Tlaib, uh, Miki Sherrill, Anthony uh, Brindisi, there's a bunch of them. So... The, so then there's a, there's probably half a dozen to a dozen more people that have really... Do- Actually, there's 28 people that have refused to answer that question. Which basically means they understand and they're afraid of ramifications of saying that on the campaign trail. But then again, they'll probably vote for her no matter what. So I don't know if she has the numbers outright. She will have to twist some arms, but I, I believe she will be the next speaker, which is, is tough, but... You know, there's a real shot here. If Trump can show, and this is, this is, this is something, we, you know, Republicans lost suburban voters, white, uh, suburban white women voters. Actually, they, just women in general, they lost. We lost. So if he can work with Nancy Pelosi to a point where, you know, if he can, I'm talking really work with her to a point where they get things done. He is, he can use this as an opportunity to come out very reasonable, you know, and he, you know, he can come to the podium and he can say, look guys, message loud and clear. Got it. Stone down the rhetoric. Cool. And start working. And if they strike one bill, if Nancy Pelosi and Trump stand on a podium together and say, we achieved this, it will be historic. And I, I, I really hope they do. You know, my initial instinct is like God, is liberals are, are shutting down the country. And I'm sure that's how the liberals feel as well. But now I, I, you got to get together on this. You got to get together because you got no choice. And I'm not going to settle for two years of gridlock. I'm really not. And I don't think the American people are either. And what's changed over the last few years, the accessibility to social media and, and Internet and things like that. People are much more informed. You cannot get away with the same crap you got away with six or eight years ago. Okay. You know, the big the big three lost last night. And largely in part because people had social media. People understood stories that had previously been buried or things like that. I mean, Beto O'Rourke, the drinking and driving thing that didn't come up anytime when he ran for Congress, at least not that I could find. He's running for U.S. Congress and it didn't come up. Okay, nowadays it came out very easily. Gillum, the guy might be indicted for a campaign. I mean, like, there's so much information out there. that people are are wins, and you know, I want to say another one that Abrams. She had Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey, who's like arguably one of the most famous people in the world, come and campaign for, her and she's. St- I think she's lost the race. She's trying to force a runoff right now because. There's these these third-party candidates jump in for whatever reason. I don't understand this. You know, there was a third-party candidate here in Connecticut that actually may have cost Bob Stefanowski, the Republican, the governor's race. He's a libertarian candidate. You know, I look at these people, and sure, you have the right to run, but, like, what's your goal? Is your goal to, to, to stop the Republicans from winning? You know? If it is, then, you know, maybe... <laughs> you know maybe maybe great maybe they're planted democrats so you know the republicans that we kept our we kept the senate but we lost the house keep in mind during this election cycle 88% 88% of the media was negative towards republicans you democrats had all the celebrities you had all the social media giants you had the search engines you had the the media and you had everyone on your side everything was going your way and it's still a split decision keep keep that in mind folks i want you to think about that for a second that the democrats literally had everything on their side everything and this was still the result we still kept the senate i mean if that does folks if that doesn't tell you that our policies are better i don't know what does we just and I, mean, I keep going back to this we just have to work on our messaging and we have to believe our own message and we can't apologize for it we consistently apologize for things and we skirt questions and we don't answer the question when we don't want to folks be a human that's what so many of these races lack is the human touch they everybody seems so perfect and polished and it lacks the human touch it's okay to be wrong You know what? Use it. Embrace it. Say you've learned from it. Best lessons I ever learned were from losing or or getting it wrong. This is is, we have to figure out. I don't know if we can ever call a truce with the media because they're just like I've said before in other shows they're based out of the three cities LA New York and DC and they all vote very far left. So are we ever going to get a Republican based media? I don't know. I don't think so. So we can whine about it all we want; it's just probably not going to change. But we have to start selling ourselves and to the younger generation. I asked Matt Corey I said, "Have you? How many colleges?" You go, "Oh well, we just weren't well received." Not his fault. But schedule events maybe with another Democrat for an open debate. Schedule these. You know, I I think it's a great idea. If I ever choose to run for something, the bulk of my time is going to be spent in colleges. You know, again, I want to say a special thanks to my friends at Great America, Mer- Great America Pack for bringing me the show. They've been an ally for the president long before twenty the twenty sixteen election. They've never wavered. They've been there from day, you know, almost day one. There's your support means a lot to them, but it also your support means a lot to this president, especially in this time with these midterm elections. He's stressed out about it, no doubt. Here he is, a guy doing everything he can for this country, and he's stressed out about it. So he needs a place where he can go get positive reinforcement, and that's www.thankstrump.us. That's www.thankstrump.us Go there. Leave a comment for him. He might actually view it. I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. So, one of the last topics I want to cover is the mob. Is, will this, the taking of the house, empower, embolden, or will it temper the mob? And it's it's an interesting question because you know, both sides are spinning this as a win. If you're a Republican, you're like, "Oh, well, we kept the Senate. That's great." If you're a Democrat, "Oh, we took the House." Look, historically, you should have taken the House. Historically, you should have taken the Senate too, and you didn't do that. Okay, no doubt, House is gone. Um, so I think that, I mean, time will tell. But right now, the mob is led by Nancy Pelosi. Whether she agrees to this or not, it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Nancy Pelosi now has the responsibility to temper the mob because if they get, if they start mobbing and and shouting down conservatives and being the violent way that they've been for the last two years, they now have a leader, a representative leader in office, the person that that their side wants in. And if she doesn't call for them to stand down, it's on her. It's totally on her. So, I I, I look at these things, and I think that, will she do it? I sure hope so. I don't have high hopes for it. And you you see that, and you see see how the, the separation... She's, they've already, the Democrats have already started to kind of separate themselves from this and, and say that we're going to come to the middle now. We're going to be the ones, we're going to restore the constitutional republic. We're going to restore order and discipline. And th- th- this is a great talking point. From, this is why the Democrats are better communicators than the Republicans, because they're already getting ahead of it. They're saying um, all these things that we should be saying. You know we we should have been we should have been saying these from day one. we should have harped more on the fact that we were trying to get along and trying to compromise with the Democrats but we're not but now the Democrats have taken that talking point and they're running and mark my words folks, if things start getting done in a bipartisan manner, I promise you hundred percent that that is what they will run on that is what they'll run on and speaking of running um you, you we talked a little bit about the electoral college and how different people are or, or urban versus rural or let's do Oregon versus North Dakota okay Oregon put on a ballot initiative to protect sanctuary cities okay North Dakota put on a ballot initiative to explicitly bar illegal immigrants from voting okay two opposite sides of the spectrum this is why the electoral college is in place because you know, an area less than a thousand miles, maybe a thousand miles apart, have starkly different views, starkly different needs, starkly different desires amongst an electorate. This is not like a bill that was passed by 25 people in the middle of the night. This was on a ballot initiative. Okay? This is a, I mean, if you hear that crackling in the background, I'm enjoying a nice fireplace uh, full of wood. People are voting in these places for what they want. And it's totally different. So that is why it's so important to maintain this electoral college. Okay? You know, the last thing, I I put this on Twitter, actually, and I got a lot... I mean, this was a highly, highly publicized tweet that I had that normally my tweets, you know, gone a few thousand retweets or something like this. This one was off the charts. I said, why in the hell did John James lose? I mean... John James was, you know, in, in a Democrat size, like he was a, a well-spoken military veteran black man, which is like the Democratic dream to, to have one of those people run for their seat. He ran as a Republican. I mean, I spoke to him one time. I don't know him outside of that incredibly smart guy, incredibly well-spoken. I thought he was great. If I lived in Michigan, he would have my vote with a you know bells on my boots and, and smile ear-to-ear because ear I love the guy. But the fact that he didn't win, the fact that the people of Michigan voted for someone else that pushed policies that has landed Detroit and most of Michigan in the spot that it is in now, which is not economic greatness. They're a lot like Connecticut. It shows that we are not communicating properly. We are not sending our message. We are not selling our message to people. We don't, maybe we don't even believe in it ourselves. But folks, we have, and this is the greatest thing too, is like all over the country, I'm seeing tweets today that it's racist, that Georgia is such a racist place because Abrams and Gillum lost. But there's no calls from anybody saying that Michigan's racist because John James lost. This is the identity politics that I'm hoping we can move past. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we can move past it because I'm honestly, I'm sick and tired of the identity. Po- I just want, you know what? I want my country back. I want my country to come back to some, some level of, of unity again. And I'm seeing it across the country now where there's... <laughs> You know, for for a moment today, when Nancy Pelosi gave that speech and I I, she could be I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about this, but if if she meant what she said today in her press conference, I will be ecstatic. And I, I really do hope that she 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 follows through with that because it could be it could be great for America. Because, you know, America is not a racist place. America is not a horrible place. America is the greatest place in the world. They're, they're just fantastic. And these, the elections, and this is another thing that I, 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 it hurts my soul, is that people vote on these party lines because they're told to. They don't do their homework and they, not enough people vote. We had 49% of the country vote. Keep in mind, that was the highest turnout midterm election ever. Not enough people came out to vote, though. 49% of the country. Why isn't it 99? People have become complacent. People have become, you know, have have thought of this as, oh, why should I vote? You know, the country's going to do what the country's going to do. Every vote counts. Get off your couch. Get off your couch and go vote. And I think it's better if every single person has a voice. It's better for the country. It's better for the district, the state, the city, whatever it is. If every single person gets out and votes. And that's what, uh, what we saw in, in across the country. We saw that the people were fired up. And I like to see it, even though we lost seats in the House i'm glad people voted i really am so folks make sure that you uh, follow me on twitter go to at carl higby you can catch this uh podcast on itunes you can catch it on stitcher and spotify and all that stuff um please i want you to think about these things and remove emotions i want you to think about who you voted for and why especially you liberals out there don't vote just party lines Vote for the person who's going to make America better for everybody, not just what you think you might want. Folks, thanks so much. This is the Carl Higby Show. We will see you tomorrow.